Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you're looking to build up your portfolio, seek capital in first-tier cities but seek your investment opportunities elsewhere. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you, and this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away your bottom line? And two, are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal Best Ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from your bottom line. And they want to help you reduce your loan payments to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to tradition, the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way, and it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all the interest up front versus upon distribution. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The document's at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Dana Dunford. How you doing, Dana? Great. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Joe. Well, thanks for being on the show and nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Dana. She is the CEO of Hemlane, a technology-enabled property management platform. And previously, she worked at Apple and did worldwide financial planning and analysis and at Nest, which is the home technology company acquired by Google for a whole lot of money, over $3 bucks. 
She got her MBA from Harvard, and she's based in San Francisco, California. With that being said, Dana, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yes. Thanks so much, Joe. So yes, my name is Dana Dunford, and my focus right now is taking technology, so top-end technology such as what we implemented at Apple, and giving that to the real estate community. My entire job is, I guess, 50% consulting, 50% technology. And how do you make sure that you optimize your day-to-day operations as a real estate investor in the property management space? As you know, Joe, the best investments are not in your backyard. So we really focus on saying, if you are an investor with capital or looking for capital, and then you're going to purchase properties, how do we make sure that after you acquire those properties that you can manage them from anywhere and have the correct on-ground support as well as the level of detail you need to have to make sure that you're maximizing your cash flow? Okay, makes sense. So who's your target audience for this? We primarily focus on real estate investors and managers with one to 100 units. And typically our investors will start with a smaller portfolio and then move up from there based on our operations. We can handle that. But some of our investors now are getting up to the 500 plus units, as you probably could guess, and we can handle those size portfolios. And your differentiating feature with your platform versus your competition is what? The competition, there's two different types of competition out there. The first you would say is software providers. You have the Folios and the Yordis of the world who focus on larger real estate investors or large property management companies. And what they have in their software offering is that they offer you just the software and say, now you have, you have to be the on-ground support. For us, we're a platform where we actually take property managers who are local, connect you with them on the platform. And that way you can suddenly say, I want the rent directly transferred to my bank account, but I also want to have a manager to help with the leasing or the turnover. And so you have a little bit more flexibility. And then the second thing that you have is you also have the local support. So the traditional property management softwares don't have that today. You might say, Joe, then as this kind of second one is full service property managers, are they your competition? Not really. They work with us. We actually open up their market opportunity. So our real estate investors tend to be a little bit more hands-on with their portfolio. They don't want to be do-it-yourself. They also don't want a full service property manager. There's something in between. So we work with full service property managers and real estate agents to have them help provide the management without providing full service, handing over the keys, handing over the trust accounts, having them do everything. It's a little bit more of working together, both the real estate investor with the local support to make sure you have a full comprehensive solution. Okay. It's becoming clear in my head and I appreciate you walking me through this. So with your company, can you give us a typical use case from an investor's perspective from start to after signing up with you all and what he or she utilizes? I will give you an example of one of our customers today. His name's David and he has 11 real estate portfolios across the United States. 
Before he started using Hemlane, he had about 50% of those on full service managers. And the other 50%, he was remotely managing himself and having his handyman do the showings or some person he knew in the neighborhood doing the property showings. When you think about that, he had different processes for every single property. We brought those on to Hemlane and it consolidated everything. It automated all of the administrative work. We put his full service property managers onto Hemlane so they were able to still manage the properties from their location. But for this real estate investor, he was able to see the whole portfolio consolidated as well as tap into local licensed support in those cities where he didn't have local support. He was using his handyman to do the showings. He was able to tap into local licensed agents to help him with the turnovers, help him with the showings. And then he could open up his dashboard, see everything going on, lease renewals, who's paying rent, who's been laid and had an automatic late fee. And he has all 11 portfolios consolidated on one dashboard. Got it. So it's a way to automate the administrative work, get in contact with local experts, and then see the numbers on your properties from an income and expense standpoint? Correct. And if you think about it, Joe, it's a little bit like the modern day franchise. Before with franchises, what you would have is one corporate office, right? And then a bunch of offices across the nation franchises. In our sense, we think of Hemlane as we've streamlined and brought all the tools. And then we work with any sort of broker. We don't have the broker's license under us. We work with all the brokers in that area to provide them with the tools. And one of the coolest things about that is the latest technology you can put into it. So for Hemlane, when a tenant says, I'm interested in scheduling a showing, our technology has already picked that up. And then we can respond on behalf of the agent and say, great, here's my calendar. When would you like to book a showing? Here's when I can show you the property. So what we're looking to do is make it where the agents really can focus more on building relationships with the real estate investors, building relationships with the tenants, having the real estate investors themselves be able to build those relationships, and not focus on the day-to-day communications, reminding people of when they need to view the property, to should I accept it or reject this tenant based on their credit score, all the way to reminding a tenant when their rent is due. We take all of that administrative burden off and so that the real estate professionals can really focus on what they are good at, which is both the relationships as well as the investment. And through this explanation, now I understand it. Is that why you were saying earlier that 50% of your time is focused on consulting and 50% on technology? The 50% consulting piece, is that more of the education piece of this use case and how it can be applied? It's both that as well as I would say on the consulting side, it's people I do think it's we're getting to a point in time where the shift is focused in real estate. Traditionally, you would just purchase a property where you're located. And now you see with syndications, with folks like you, Joe, who are incredible at showing that you can get returns across the U.S. at great prices on syndicates, 
what you are seeing is people are purchasing outside of where they live. So a lot of my consulting is helping people get those tools and processes set up, introducing them to local support. And that's something that I love to do. It's not part of Hemlane, but it's helping make sure that real estate investors have success in both their acquisition of their properties, but most importantly, in the management of their properties, providing them with all the resources and the connections to local agents, local managers, to make sure that they have a very successful and stress-free operation. How do you personally qualify the local support when you're doing an introduction with someone you're consulting? We have standard property management questions that we ask. And then on top of that, it actually comes from our network itself. So let me give you an example, Joe. We will have a real estate agent come to us who says, I have a lot of clients. When someone has a lot of clients and they're good at the buy and sell side, they're good with relationships. They say, I've got a lot of clients and I'm looking to offer them some sort of property management, but I don't want to have the trust account set up. I don't want to have to do a lot of the day-to-day accounting, background check screening. That person will come to us and say, I'm interested in starting some sort of property management for the clients who already trust me. And we said, okay, great. Here are the tools and the software to do it. And then we work with those clients. We can actually review those clients to see how good they are with the property showings, the inspections, their network of handyman and local professionals to understand this particular real estate brokerage whether it's a management shop or they also do the buy and sell side of things, how much do the people who are currently on Hemlane today, the owners of the real estate assets, how much do they like this person and rely on them? And that helps us build it up. In some other cases, you're right, we acquire them either through referrals or we do interviews with them to see, based on standard property management questions, how much does this person know about being able to do the day-to-day operations associated with management? And how do you make money on this venture with Hemley? <laughs> I, I'm laughing right now, Joe, because so many companies here in Silicon Valley don't make money. Yep, yep. Well, I, <laughs> so I know. Just, I almost just wanted to say we don't make money. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't care about money. We just we care about the experience. Exactly. But I'm joking. We actually do make money. So we're a subscription-based model. So you pay us a monthly fee to use the software and services, and then we connect you with the local agents, as well as if you want added services, for example, maintenance coordination, we can connect you with third-party maintenance coordinators to do those activities for you. And we make it affordable. So traditionally, software advice or not software advice, Appfolio and Yardi minimum is $250 a month. We start at $30 a month. So even if you have one rental property, it makes sense to do it. You're going to save a lot more in your cost and also increase your revenue by much more than $30 a month. Mm -hmm. And how long have you had this venture? The idea and concept came four years ago. Mm But it was for my family's own investments. And so it had nothing to do with selling it to anyone else. It was a personal need. And then what we realized from there was our friend's family referrals were coming in saying, can we also use you? And it was mostly consulting at that point. And then I realized the systems and the infrastructure 
were the best way to scale it. And so then we became a technology-enabled platform to connect real estate owners with managers and agents, as well as the software to automate it. And that happened two years ago, Joe. So we've been around for two years now selling the software. What's been the biggest challenge that you've come across launching the company? The biggest challenge, I think, was patience. One of the things with SaaS technology, software as a service, is it's very misunderstood. It's not like Facebook. I mean, you could code Facebook in a day, and the software is already built. When you're working in real estate, you're working with people's payments. You're working with background and credit checks. The amount of security that you need, the amount of APIs. We advertise your property on over 40 rental listing websites. Imagine doing a contract with every single one of those top listing websites. The patience that you need to actually build the software itself, it takes a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. And our philosophy was the only way to make it valuable is to have an all-in-one. If everything works seamlessly, the lease comes up for renewal, then you can automatically list the property. The showing agents are already there. It makes it much more valuable. And so it was the patience to have the end-to-end platform, which we have now. We started with just rent collection and then had to go from there. Do you have investors in this company? We do have investors. Our investors are actually some of the coolest guys and gals out there in the sense that a lot of them were entrepreneurs themselves. Some of them have businesses valued at over a billion dollars. And then some of them are our customers. Some of our first customers asked how they could get into it. So it was pretty cool in that sense. And what advice do you have for a best ever listener who is looking to bring in an investor into a venture that they're doing? And It might not be software or technology platform like yours. It might just be simply a house project, a fix and flip. But there are some lessons learned, I'm sure, that you have come across based on the process that you had bringing in investors that would be helpful. Yes. I think of it actually how our company is built today. And I'll I'll relate it to real estate acquisition. And if you're going to purchase something for it, like you said, fix and flip or buy and hold, If you're looking to build up your portfolio, seek capital in first-tier cities, but seek your investment opportunities elsewhere. So most of our clients, the actual rental properties they own are not in first-tier cities like New York or Los Angeles, but the actual capital, the people who are invested in our company or who own those properties are in those first-tier cities. And one of the reasons I say that is when you look at wealth, it's concentrated in those cities, Los Angeles and New York. I mean, New York's GDP is 1.5 trillion, and that's more than 11 countries out there. Mm -hmm. It's larger than any other country. So it's one of those things where you want to seek the capital in these first tier large cities. But then when you look at investing or your customers or anything else, they may not be in those first tier cities. Based on your experience as the CEO of Hemlane, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? My best advice ever is to look at purchase to rent ratios and use that. I believe in cash flow appreciation. There is some benefit to that. 
but I really believe in making sure that you have cash flow. So look at those purchase to rent ratios and don't limit your operations and your investments to where you live today. Look across the U.S., see the best investment opportunities, and then from there, dive into local scene of those cities in more detail. What ratio do you look for? In the U.S. today, I think it's under 21 is good. In San Francisco, it's at 46, the price to rent ratio, versus a place like Detroit is at six. 46 versus six is a huge difference. And the average is around 21. So if you can get below 22, 21, then you're doing pretty good. And help me understand. So when I think of purchase to rent ratio, I think of the monthly rent. And then like if it's say 800 bucks, I divide that by my all-in price of say $65,000. And then that's a 1.2% but you are doing it differently. So educate me on how you're doing yours. Yes. The price to rent ratio is just what is the price at which you can purchase the property versus the rent you can get out of that. So I look at saying, okay, and you can just flip it, right? I think oh, you yeah. just flipped That's, it and did a percentage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're All just right. flipping it and doing a percentage. <laughs> I'm just doing it and put the purchase price on the top. Numerator I'm with you. Okay, yeah. cool. It's, so the same exa- it's the same exact formula. Okay, cool. Good stuff. And do you invest as well? I do. So right now we were in Denver, no longer there. And I'm looking in some other cities. So Denver was a great ride since 2009, um, mm-hmm. but no longer invested. How did you pick Denver in 2009? It was actually my brother-in-law. He was, it was family investments going into it. I don't do anything on the acquisition side. I was just doing the operational side of it. And your family's portfolio is now under your company's technology platform? Yes, it is. I'm sure you come across data collectively across everyone who's using your system that would be helpful, maybe trends or ratios that we should pay attention to, or maybe red flags. Have you looked at any of that to come up with maybe like an infographic or something on helpful things that you've learned? Yes, but I do it mostly from the operations side. And so what I mean by that, Joe, is most of the data and stuff I look at is on the quality of tenants, the amount you're spending on maintenance, and what are your turnover costs, how long are the days on the market. And that varies investment to investment. And so those are really, when I look at metrics, I'm more focused on the day-to-day stuff. And anything of those metrics that you just mentioned that would be helpful for us to know? Yeah, absolutely. The first metrics I'd say, I'll start with tenant acquisition and then I'll go to management. One of the fascinating things I find about real estate investing is people put a lot of things on spreadsheets, but they're not very practical. Mm -hmm. Like class C properties and class D properties look great on paper, but they're not very practical. I've never seen a line where people say, this is the number of evictions that I'll have. This is (laughs) the turnover. I I never see that. But (laughs) when you invest in those, your vacancy is going to be much higher. Your turnover costs are going to be much higher. And so when I look at those, I balance it between what class of property is it versus the quality of the tenant. And so you're investing in a B or A class property, you want over 650 in the credit score. You also want income to rent ratios. I try to get three to one in first tier cities is probably 2.5 to one just because of the cost of living 
for rentals in those cities. And so those are the two biggest metrics I look for on the tenant side and the tenant acquisition. Days on market, if your property is on the market for over 30 days, you have a pricing problem. So you need to reduce the price. I only look for leases that can do 12 months or 24 months. But if you're on a winter turnover, if you're turning over your property in February or March, from a data perspective, you're going to want to try to next time turn it over in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to change the terms associated with that lease. And we help you with all of that. But those are just kind of common sense consulting that I recommend for every single property. And then the last part of that on the tenant acquisition side is looking at the numbers and the location specific data. And let me give you an example, Joe. In San Francisco, more than 50% of the renters here have pets. So on when I market a property, I'm definitely going to say you can have pets in the property. And more than 50% of the rentals in San Francisco say you can't have pets. Mm -hmm. So they're just losing out on the money of charging pet rent, charging an additional security deposit added to the current security deposit for the pets. So all of those kind of data and numbers associated both locally as well as just common ratios on tenant acquisition I look for to make sure property is under 30 days on the market, being turned over fast, the tenant is qualified, I have level of guarantee. If you're in a class C or class D property, you might not get a 650 credit score, but you should request for additional security deposit to cover the additional risk. And so I put all of that in place. And then on the maintenance side, I think it's important from a numbers and metrics perspective to not big data, but just take into account all the inventory of the appliances you have. If you're offering any to your tenants, what's the lifetime value of them? And then putting together forecasts and budgets for that. If I were to search how many renters in Cincinnati have pets I don't think I'd get some good answers. So how did you know that San Francisco stat and how can we find that information for our market? Yep. That was in a San Francisco specific paper. Mm -hmm. The local newspapers are the best to have that. I've never seen a nationwide survey of what renters have pets, but that's actually a probably good one, Joe. I'll have to get back to you. Maybe I can survey all of our tenants who are on Hemlane and give you better data on that. But what you can do is just look out there at the properties that are on Zillow and see what percentage are saying no pets versus which percentage are allowing for pets. And the REITs are the best way to look at it. The REITs have more data because tenants have to fill out these lead inquiry forms of do you have pets? We ask them to do the same thing so we can capture the data within that city. But the REITs will have data on pets and then they'll come up with what is their pet rent And what's the additional security deposit based on those numbers? So a lot of times you'll want to base it off what these larger apartment complexes are doing. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh, Yes, I am. All right. Well, great. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. 
The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever book you've read? The Lexus and the Olive Tree by Thomas Friedman. Ooh, that's a new one for me. Lexus and the Olive Tree. Okay. Best ever deal you and or your family have done? Best ever deal was not doing a deal in San Francisco for my primary residence. I put together the cash flow numbers of how much money we were making out of state versus purchasing in state and then staying on rent control in San Francisco. That was probably the best deal. I thought you were going to say you were about to buy a condo in that building that's crumbling to the ground in San Francisco. You, you know about that one? It's like lean. Oh, yeah, the millennial. But yeah. <laughs> that that would have been a big flop for you too. What's a mistake you've made in business? Mistake I've made in business, I would say letting emotions impact decisions, especially with tenants. You hear stories from losing jobs to children in hospital. And the best way I've found to deal with that is to not let those emotions take over and set expectations up front of saying, I know you might be going through a hardship, but we're your management. This is the contract. Don't try to get around it. And you should build your own network of family and friends to do that. So having more of a professional relationship with tenants versus anything that's personal. Best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way to give back. I love giving back and maintaining 71% of the earth, which is the water. So my husband and I are deeply connected to the oceans. He's a huge surfer. My mom's a geophysicist and oceanographer. So we donate a lot to ocean conservation efforts. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? They can go to Hemlane, which is www.hemlane.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Dana110001 or LinkedIn at Dana Dunford. Well, Dana, thank you for spending some time with us and talking to us about Hemlane and the solution that it provides, as well as getting into the data. I love the info that you talked about towards the end of our conversation as it relates to tenant acquisition. If you've got a Class B property... You'll want a 650 credit score or higher, three to one income to rent ratio, ideally. Days on market, more than 30, you got a pricing problem. And the changing of terms, perhaps if you're seeing it every winter come available, then maybe change the terms so that it's a summer availability should someone decide to move out, as well as the tenant acquisition. I mean, that's an exercise everyone can do to educate ourselves on potential additional revenue streams for a property. Just simply go on Zillow, as you said, and see what percentage of properties allow pets versus don't have pets. If you don't allow pets, then maybe you can have a competitive advantage relative to the competitive set that you're competing against. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks so much, Joe. You too. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.